Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher. Welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast. Today is February 24th, 2023. For any of you that are watching this after this is aired, um, like all of our episodes, this is pre recorded. You can go back and watch any of them in any order that you might like um, if you want to see something. So, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Today is the last Friday of the month, which means we're here to talk to our special guest of the month who we'll bring in here for a minute. Um, if you've been with us before, thank you very much. If this is new to you, please go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on our channel. Let us, lets us know that we're doing a good job and that we should keep doing this because it's a lot of work and you should praise us for all of that. So, um, But anyway, today we're going to get started. I'd like to join our special guest, Athena Frost, thank Athena, thank you, Athena, for joining us this morning. So, good morning. Hello, happy to be here. So, you have you. I don't know where I'm going with things today. I'm running way too fast in my head. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we brought you on, but uh, you have you work with Griffith Observatory. You've uh, worked at Adler Planetarium. You're like a science educator. Um, you do all kinds of amazing things, which is why you're here with us this morning, and we're talking shop. Um, <laughs> but how did your interest in astronomy and space start? I ask this question to everybody. It's always interesting to hear how we got started. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a cliche. I don't know how many other people have answered in this way, but uh, Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> I was literally born while watching Star Trek. Uh, my mother had uh, the original series going on as she was birthing me. So, <laughs> Top that, Jeff. My boss, Jeff, <laughs> who's watching, is a massive Star Trek fan. <laughs> I don't know if he can top that one. Yeah, yeah. I was born watching Star Trek. I, uh, I'm i a second generation Trekkie. So that is really what got me started in it. I, I, I wasn't ever sure what I wanted to do, but I was like, I know I want to deal with astronomy. That's that's definitely what, what I always knew I wanted to do. Yeah. Did you go to school uh, for astronomy or anything like that? Yeah, so my undergraduate degree is in uh, physics with a specialization in astrophysics from the University of Chicago. Um, I went there because, and if anyone is interested in going into astronomy, I went there because they were really good for getting research. So I was published while I was still in my undergrad. Um, and that was thanks to all the like great scientific research that's done there. I also can never say anything bad about Chicago. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I worked, I, I worked in planetarium since I was like 14. Uh, there was actually a planetarium in the middle school of, of my uh, school corporation. Oh, cool. Yeah. And like, I still talk to the director who just recently retired. So I would actually talk to him to help about getting like, you know, um, K through 12 education for planetariums because he was always like very good at that. Um, there are some fun stories about what used to happen on accident with that. Um, <laughs> like uh, like one time we were doing a uh, kindergarten show and there was like the HVAC that was behind there. So this guy like all of a sudden he opens up the HVAC and so there's like a silhouette in the sky of a man and the kids start screaming it's God. <laughs> and we're just that's like, awesome. oh, that's not part of the show, kids. <laughs> it's not part of the show. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was always interested in it. Um, I've worked in like four different planetariums, Griffith, uh in los angeles and adler in chicago being like the big like international level ones mm -hmm. yeah now it's um i'm sure it's kind of cool because you know astronomy tends to be kind of a male dominated world it seems like so i think it's kind of uh cool for especially like younger kids to come into like griffith or adler and then for them to see you this woman who knows all this stuff about physics and the way the universe works and stuff like that. And you kind of set this tone that these young girls can 
you can be like you you're like this role model for these young women that are coming into it now and like oh i could be a physicist or i could be an astronomer or i could whatever um do you ever get that when you're walking around the planetariums and kind of representing at that point yeah you know it's funny because while i feel like there's obviously some systemic issues with in science and stem uh at least in physics and astronomy um i never felt othered you know it was very much like you know if you can do the math if you can do the work then we like you i'll never forget i was doing this research um on type 2 and supernovas and i'll never forget i was using this data from like the top radio astronomer at the time um i think it was from like the royal astronomical society i don't remember his name and i was like doing the math and i was just like this seems wrong this seems wrong why is it why is it wrong why am i calculating it wrong i spent like half a day and then i go to my pi um so you know you're the primary and he and he like looks at it, he's like oh you're right i have something to do he calls this guy up it was just like, guess what? This 20 year old just like proved that your paper was wrong. You know, like he was, you know, I, I always felt very supported by all of the like professors and teachers, even, you know, like even when I was like in middle school. And, and so I had that. So I never really felt other and I always felt comfortable. And so as an adult and like I, I taught at the high school and college level as well, I always wanted to like let people know it's like, it doesn't really matter what your background is, you know, math is the universal language. And, and also, it was always of my opinion that it was important. There's kind of like a holistic idea when it comes to educating, whether we're educating the public or when I was educating at high school and college level of like, let's not you know, a lot of people fear math and science. And um, when you come in with that attitude and when you come in and you have teachers who don't even really understand the physics themselves, um, it, it it just kind of like pushes that forward more and more. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that like I got some some students, some of, of color and women who ended up going to the sciences after uh, taking classes with me who hadn't thought of doing it before. And that just like, just like warms my heart whenever I see that. Um, And because anyone can do it. And I think that whether even like men that, you know, like white men who, who are like, oh, I'm not good at math. And I'm like, who's says who, you know? Uh, these days with like pedagogy, with like how you teach things, there's this idea that there's like one way to do it. And that's just not true. And science had a lot of creativity in it. And so I, I would always try to teach my students that, that with critical thinking, um, if it's something that you're interested in, you can definitely do it. It's almost, your question. Oh, no, it's good though. Cause I think it touches on a lot of touchy subjects that are going on in the world right now. But I think one of the underlying things that i like about science particularly astronomy is um it's kind of like if you want to be in here you kind of have to leave all the systemic problems at the door at that point and it's like we're here to learn about the universe something that's so much bigger than our and i know these problems are extremely serious and i'm not trying to make any light of that but it's it's more of like we need to quit screwing around and being difficult with each other and just be inclusive with each other because the what we're trying to find the answers to is so much bigger on the scale of things. And I think that's why I like astronomy so much is there's a level of humility that you have to have in you when you walk through the door and that level of respect for what you're trying to do that it's like, you know what? We can all be good to each other because what we're trying to do is ultimately answer the biggest questions that we have so um and when you're and reading what I... a peer-reviewed paper it just says like first initial last name you have no idea who this person is mm-hmm. you just know that like they have uh, a, a, an outlook that you need to understand so that you can do the work you want to do you know yeah they clearly has 
um, some street credibility if their name is on a paper and yeah. we're talking about this particular topic or it's like, yeah, this binary star is blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, here's the physics behind it. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, I do think it's cool that you are able to kind of show people, particularly uh, young people that, you can do whatever you want in the world nowadays and you make if you want it you make it happen and poof you know and i think that's how i got started too was kind of like you where i um it was like a science center and i volunteered there when i was young and then it just be kind of takes over and you kind of get stuck in this crazy world and it's like well guess i'm a lifer at this point and it just drags you around and you never really know where you're gonna end up so um, when did you start at Adler then? Yeah, I started, um, so I, so I worked at the Maryville Community Planetarium <laughs> from like eighth grade through senior year. And then when I went to University of Chicago, um, I started like my summer after that, my first summer there, I started working at Adler Planetarium. Um, and I actually started as like a guard <laughs> and the the guard they actually do train them properly like i don't know how it necessarily is now but they made it so like if you walk up there and you're just like what's the difference between astrology and astronomy like they have to be able to answer that you know hmm. um but like two weeks in they were like i think you can have another job here so yes <laughs> so then i started working in the planetarium um, for any planetarium nerds, I use the Digistar 1 <laughs> and the uh, Carl Zeiss Planetarium Projector um, Mark 7, which was from 1974. Uh, it had been around, <laughs> when you looked at it, it actually said it was made in East Germany. <laughs> That's how old it was, guys. <laughs> vintage. Before so, the wall came down, vintage. Right. <laughs> Sometimes the like the southern uh, sphere would not turn on, and then we had to like run downstairs and like switch some stuff, and then run back upstairs. <laughs> we had like... to reestablish connection with the southern hemisphere. Just smack it with a wrench. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> there was a lot of duct tape going on. Yes. <laughs> no one yeah. needs to know. <laughs> it right? worked. It was entertaining. No one needs to know. So. I love Adler because of. First of all, it's the first planetarium on the Western Hemisphere. It's the second planetarium in the world. And it also it has like three theaters and three planetariums, but it's four different objects. So, so cool. We had like a 3D theater and then we had like a digital theater and then we had the Zeiss. And then we had this like this um, what's called the Atwood Sphere, which is a it was made for naval officers. So it was like this ball that was like the size it was like maybe 30 feet wide right or that would be like about like 10 meters wide and they actually like would go up into it and they had like little pinpricks so that naval officers could like navigate throughout oh, how cool it's so great it's so great i love it and it's very large like most planetariums are just the planetarium so mm -hmm. yeah but I I, lo I loved it there. I spent like about five years working at uh, Adler Planetarium. That's what I would, you know, kids who are interested in science. If there's a way you can find a reason to volunteer at a local science museum or get a job at a science center or something, if you have an interest in it and you're like, I don't really know where I want to go with any of this, to just see if you could volunteer on the weekends or something, because then that just gets your foot in the door, which I'm... I'm sure you've seen now, and maybe you can relate to this because it comes up with me quite a bit when I do events is it's like, Oh, what'd you, what'd you get your degree in? And it's very different in our world now where you're told to go to college and you get a degree and all these young kids are hopping into there and it's like, then you get out and you're like, well, what's your experience? And you have none. So it's like, okay, well, I was told if I got this degree, I would go get a job and poof, everything's great. And it's just not that way anymore. So it's not. <laughs> um, so 
I think that's a good way to get in the door is like what you've done where it's like if you can get your foot in the door and start establishing that interest in science and then that gets you used to meeting people and working with people and you're building that footwork of yes I do have experience in these levels and I feel like that tends to pay off and then if you need to get a degree to navigate wherever you need to go then that just exemplifies your experience at that point too so yeah because not everyone needs a degree for what you want to do but in the sciences it is obviously very necessary yeah um, <clears throat> i would not make anyone read Feynman without help um <laughs> bless your heart don't do it <laughs> uh but yeah and also it's lovely because at adler there are real scientists there that publish. You can actually get a postdoc at Adler Planetarium. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, they mostly deal with like asteroids and like, like they didn't deal with stuff that I particularly was interested in, but it was like, yeah, they definitely deal with asteroids. And I think like just like smaller celestial objects, I'm pretty sure. Um, and they're like also minor like, bodies and stuff like minor that. bodies. That's the word mm -hmm. I was looking for. Yeah. I was just like, I want to deal with supernovas and supermassive black holes. And yeah. they're like, we don't do that here. <laughs> I want to deal with legit stuff. So. <laughs> right. Um, I want to look at a rock or walk outside. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they also like, I'm sorry for anybody that that probably upset. <laughs> <laughs> They're very sweet. It, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> like, I also, like, I don't know about other people's experience, but I must say, like, you know, the professors that I had were just the sweetest people ever. Like, I was just like, I'm on three hours of sleep, and I just saw Dawn for the fifth time this week, and they're just like, isn't physics great, guys? Let's do more. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> It's amazing what happens to a person when they're wired on three hours of sleep, five Red Bulls, and they've seen the sunrise for five days in a row. It's like, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. It's like, do you? It might be concerned, but that's where all this amazing ideas come from. It's like when you're sleep deprived and have no idea what's going on, that's where discoveries are made right there. <laughs> yeah, they were, you know... Um... Oh, just doing such amazing research. I actually, like, after working on supernovas, I started, believe it or not, like, just working on uh, lasers in this chemistry lab because it just sounded so interesting what he was doing that I was just like, yeah, sure. I'm just going to, like, email this guy and see if he's willing to work with me. And he was just like, sure, come in. And I definitely almost blinded myself several times. The postdoc was like, Athena, put your hat up. <laughs> Because it's like lasers that uh, that you can't they they were uh, they were not in the visible light, and we okay. had glasses for it, but it's still like you still couldn't really see it, and so we'd like adjust things, and then I'd be like adjusting, adjusting, and he'd be like Athena, put your head up. I was like, right, right, don't put your head below this amount, you will yeah. blind yourself. <laughs> we are working with lasers. Yes. When working with lasers, you need to have the proper laser stuff on so. <laughs> it sounds like you've been able to get your hands into a lot of really unique and fun things through your path and i think a lot of people in the science world it does tend to your path is kind of like that you just kind of stumble into one thing and another and like we've had astronauts on we had don pettit on once and that guy is ridiculous it's very stories are a lot like yours where it's just it's kind of like, okay, how did you end up in a lab where you're like messing around with lasers? And then like, you'll talk to Don Pettit and he'll be like, yeah. So before I was an astronaut, I got the phone call to get in for astronaut training when I was taking magma samples inside of an active volcano in Iceland. It's just like, <laughs> what? So, you know, it's just like things like that. I think it's kind of funny in the science world where it's amazing where science will take you and your experiences with that. So because it's like you're a woman from Chicago and then it's like I've been to Adler and I've messed with lasers and now I'm in LA and I'm in another place and it's like you're every day I'm sure it's like you never really know what's going to pop up on the radar anymore or 
if you are doing calculations for something, what what you're going to prove or discover or whatever. So it's it's kind of an exciting thing, I'm sure, in its own way. And I'm sure it never gets old for you. What's going to pop up in your email box, like us inviting you on here. It's like, hey, <laughs> tell us about all the stuff you've done. So. <laughs> yeah, I think just being curious is it is important. And and I think and also being questioning, like there was this one thing I would always do at the beginning of the school year because, you know, we're dealing with like just like basic mechanics. And I just had this like round stuffed cow, like a spherical cow uh, named Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I would like I would like drop him and then I'd be like, hey, guys, like so our spherical cow just accelerate towards the earth. And the earth just accelerated up towards the cow and everyone's just like writing that down and i'm just like no don't be okay with that why are you okay with that i just said the earth accelerated up towards this stuffed animal you all are okay with that <laughs> like you need to question things and we go through the math of like yes the earth does it's obviously so small that there's no way we could we would be able to measure it but the point is is that like we we all need to be questioning, you know, and critical thinking. And obviously every student that I have doesn't become a physicist, but I hope that every student that I have becomes a critical thinker, which is mm -hmm. something else that I think that we need more of in American society today. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and, and also just like understanding like how how we learn and how like humanity moves forward um with our understanding of things right mm -hmm. and, uh and so it's like you have to prove it and sometimes everyone agrees with this and then we learn something new and then it changes mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't mean that what was before was a lie it just means that what it's was evolved before was our best understanding you know yeah i think that's why i one of my favorite movies is the dead poet society and I think I what I really take away from that is kind of like what you were saying, where it's like he gets up on the desk and it's like, why do I stand up here? And it's like to feel taller. It's like, well, no. And anytime you go into a classroom, some kid's probably going to say something stupid like that. But it's kind of that profound thing where it's like, no, you should always try to look at the world in a different way. And it's like, even though if it's silly or weird or people make fun of you for it, it's like, you should try to look at it from another angle. And uh, to me, that movie, I think really helped like click my mindset into gear about being a critical thinker. And like, just because someone tells you that's what it is, doesn't necessarily mean it has to be that way and especially when you're talking about the universe and physics and stuff like that it's like this is how you see it right now all up until the point someone comes by questions it and then shows you like oh maybe they have a point and then you start looking at it and i mean for example like all these images of the black holes that we're starting to get it's like we'll never be able to see that or whatever but then you have Stephen Hawking's like, no, this is what it's going to be like. And here's the math to support it. And then decades later, the technology catches up and we're able to see it. And it's like, holy crap, he was right. <laughs> but, but yeah, at times it's, it can be kind of like your stuffed cow where it's like the earth didn't move. Why would I, I'll just take a note about that and get on with my class. But it's like, no, but if you take a minute to think about what we're talking about, it's like, whoa, that's actually kind of neat. And I think that's the hard part about being in school nowadays is you're not told to listen. You're just told to document it. Right. Get on with it. You just like, you're just supposed to like regurgitate what you're doing. But I'm like, this yeah. is about active learning, you know? Like. Exactly. And I could see that's probably why you like doing outreach like at Griffith and stuff, because you, you have the tools there to make that hands-on and active and it's not just here's a book read chapter seven it's like no go explore break something try it out like <laughs> learn something that is one of the things that's very special about griffith observatory which is different than like the hayden planetarium i've been every time i travel somewhere i always go to whatever planetarium they have <laughs> mm -hmm. and um and hayden planetarium in new york which is also wonderful <clears throat> but 
what makes Griffith special is that it's an observatory, like truly. Yeah. Um, you know, every single day, every single night, you know, daytime we have the coelostat, which allows mm-hmm. us to look at the sun. Nighttime we have the historic Zeiss planetarium. Um, I almost said planetarium projector. We do have that, but we have the historic Zeiss telescope and then telescopes on the lawn. And it's like, that was something that was really exciting to me when I came to LA because in Chicago, you know, it gets cloudy a lot. And also mm-hmm. I'll never forget being like, 14 years old and i had like like it must have been like a three inch refractor and like trying to like look at jupiter and i was so cold that like every time i like tried to look through it like i would shiver and it would move out of (laughs) the view (laughs) and i was just like yep i'm not gonna be an astronomer let's go theoretical (laughs) i can do that indoors Yes. And, and so it's like amazing that at Griffith you can have people that are like looking through telescopes all the time. Um, one time there was this 87 year old woman um, from the Philippines and she didn't even speak Tagalog, which is the normal, which is the not normal, but it is the more popular uh, language of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But she spoke some other language they were telling me and we brought her up and like helped her up the stairs to the historic telescope to like look through it. And it was so amazing for her. And it was the first time this woman had looked through a telescope. And I I always have to remind myself that for a lot of people, it is the first time they've looked through a telescope. Like I mean, I've been yeah. looking through telescopes since as long as I can remember. But for other people, that's not true. And like we give that opportunity for free every day that it's not cloudy. Um, <laughs> And and that's something that I find is is so very special about Griffith Observatory. And it's Griffith's. I remember when I moved to L.A. I mean, you moved to L.A. and it's like light pollution's terrible. When you think of stars, everyone's like Hollywood. It's like no, that's not. You know, it has its own vibe. But then you know, up on the hill there, you know, right next to the Hollywood sign is like this sacred place for astronomy. That's just in the most weird place, but. Then you go up there and it's just like, I mean, it's still, you can see all of Hollywood and all the crazy things going on there, but it's like, yeah, the rest of the world just like shuts off at that point. It's like you've, the grounds up there are stunning. Like, and I know they've had a lot of famous performances up there and stuff like that. But I think what's really cool about that is you see so many people from so many walks of life, which that's LA. And everyone walks to the door of that place and everyone has that deep vested interest whether it's five seconds or you want to make it your life that's like wow this is really cool like astronomy is very neat and i didn't think about it that way and then of course then you have the experience of the telescope and showing people the moon and whatever's up at that point and it's just it's such a cool place it's unike anything else in la at that point so agree and i'm yeah, sure you get that when you're there disappointed that they can't see the hollywood sign at night people always assume that there's lights on it and there yeah. are but we don't turn them off <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it's, it is... it's over there <laughs> it, come back it's tomorrow over there. if you like squint you can see it and they're just like whoa <laughs> like yeah it's no. a bunch of white letters on a hill that spell h-o-l-l <laughs> just google it <laughs> it is next to a bunch of people's homes like they don't want bright lights on it all the time <laughs> don't live in the hollywood hills i also would if even if i had the money would not live by the hollywood side like there are many earthquakes (laughs) (laughs) no um so do you work at griffith uh multiple times a week or how what do you do at griffith now yeah so um until very recently when i got uh laid off from box media I <laughs> yeah i i would pretty much just work on the weekends um but now i'm working like three or four times a week it's interesting working during the weekdays because i'm used to the weekends when it's always like full of lots of people you know mm-hmm. um and i like that i can work during the day now because i personally love the seal stat it's just like i like you know as a like as a theoretical astrophysicist, you know, a lot of theoretical astrophysicists are not 
really astronomers. Like, no. they may study galaxies in the Virgo cluster, but they couldn't point out the Virgo constellation to save their life. <laughs> exactly. It's over there. So. <laughs> so, like, somewhere where Virgo is. <laughs> but because I've worked in planetariums for, like, most of my life at this point, like, two-thirds of my life at this point, um, you know, like, I definitely know where all the constellations are. And it's so cool to see... Like, I really love being able to, like, actually see everything. And so to actually see the, like, sunspots and everything during the daytime, I love. I like to just hang out there and just be like, someone needs to come over here so I can tell them this dot is the size of the Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I like the um, the spectrograph that they have on that. Yeah. Because it's, I love spectroscopy. And I think it's one of those things where everyone's like, it's the rainbow. It's like, yeah, but do you see the lines? It's like, that's like the freaking barcode of the universe right there. It's like, that's oxygen. It's like, that I means it's there. That. I've never <laughs> called it the barcode. That's perfect. That is a perfect way of saying it. That's, <laughs> but it, and then when you start to explain it to people, like, whoa, it's like, yeah, and that's how we know what something is there. And, it's not just Skittles or something like that, or, you know, some pretty thing I just looked at. It's like, it means something. So yes. I also love, I mean, cause I love the whole seal set, but I also love the hydrogen alpha because. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Who doesn't like right? hydrogen alpha? Like with the spectrograph, like, I feel like unless we explain it to them, I feel like they don't quite get it, but. It's another tier at that point yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like if they're like, if they're adults, then they can usually and, and they've like, they like vaguely remember it from high school or college mm -hmm. class, then they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. Um, or if they're just really into astronomy and they happen to know about it. But with the hydrogen alpha, when you can like see like, you know, filaments on the sun or you can like see, you know, some of those, oh, it's just beautiful. And, and I love like, like children always go, whoa, when they look through it. I love yeah. it. They always got do a, it. I love it. <laughs> I've got a couple of the hydrogen alpha scopes here at home, and it's you know, it's just to go out and be like, yeah, that could wipe us out if it wanted to. It's just, I think that's the coolest thing about the sun, though, and what people just don't get is, you know, you take that for granted, where it's like, oh, there's the sun, and it's just that light bulb in the sky, and I'm gonna go on with my day, kind of a thing. But it's like that is a nuclear. It's as I've explained to people before, that's like beauty and chaos all in one thing. And it's like a freaking wind up top to where if it if it wanted to, it could obliterate half the planets in the solar system at that point. And at a few billion years, that's exactly what it's going to do. That's but, definitely going to happen. <laughs> but it's just I think that's what I like and about teaching people about astronomy is like you should understand just what you're looking at is this active thing it's not living breathing but it's it's converting the hydrogen to helium and then the atoms in your body are being built in those you know furnaces at that point so it's like you're literally watching creation at that point so it's it's crazy and i kind of like to go down that line of things but just because it gets people to think about it so. yeah i always find it fun to think about the different ways that the sun can kill us um <laughs> here's my book all the way the suns could kill us well and there's another thing like i think it was like the late 19th century when there was a solar flare that locked out that uh knocked out all of electricity on the planet yes and it was like there wasn't a lot of electricity on the planet during that time but people definitely freaked out and i always think about that because i'm like you know if a solar flare of that size happens again we're all screwed it's gonna be like the apocalypse over here it's gonna knock out all oh, the satellites yeah. We will temporarily not have any electricity. People are going to like be Carrington out. event, eighteen fifty nine. Ah, so. yes. Oh, I thought it was even later. I knew it was like nineteenth century because it was like early electricity, but it yeah. was eighteen fifty nine. Uh, according to this. So, so, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh man. I remember reading about it. It was so cool. And also, my next thing is like, people always think about like, oh, the sun is going to like, um you know, eventually the sun is going to become a red giant. It's going to be, you know, around where Jupiter is. But I'm like, oh, but 
it will be non-inhabitable on the Earth so much sooner. In a couple hundred million years, it's going to get so hot that, like, literally all the water on the Earth will evaporate. So... Or in 50, if we keep going now. There's <laughs> a whole nother conversation we could spin off if we wanted to go down that route, which we're going to avoid for, so we don't lose subscribers. So it's like, but. I feel like uh, as you in Arizona, you're like really feeling it though. Yeah, it's like amateurs. It's like, I know what the apocalypse feels like. Have you ever been here in August? It's like. That's why Chicago's the best because, you know, Lake Superior is the largest by like uh you know like two-dimensional landmass but because lake michigan is the deepest it is actually the lake that has the most water in it so it is it has the most freshwater lake in the world <laughs> so everyone should move to chicago <laughs> you'll just freeze to death in the winter so. yeah 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 <laughs> have you have you been to Adler recently? Um, so I do an outreach program every summer. Um, the pandemic, uh, I, I haven't done it in the last couple of years, but every, so every summer I take a group of high school students to Adler Planetarium and then Yerkes Observatory. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, oh, Yerkes. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, so I always go there every year. Um, and one of the things that I love about it is first i get to see all my friends that are still there <laughs> and also because adler is like always like in a state of becoming they're always like looking on ways to be better by mm -hmm. new exhibits and better exhibits and updating things so i i every time that i go there i literally have to like go to the website call up a couple friends because i always give a tour but i have to like know what's there each time because mm -hmm. it's different every year which i love i actually love that about it yeah, because we're friends with uh, plane wave telescopes, and they just updated the telescope at Adler Planetarium now, which is, I think it was like a 16 or a 20 or something that was in there. Now yeah. they have this, like, 24-inch, like, crazy high-tech setup there. So, good for them. So... That was one of the things. Yeah, the Doan Observatory, which faces into the lake, so, you know, they make the most sense, right? And... When I was there, I think they opened it up to the public like maybe four times. Like it really, we really never used it, you know? Um, and it's like cloudy and it's cold at times. So to an extent that makes sense, but that was why I was excited about Griffith. But yes, I heard that now they like, they refurbished it. They actually open it. They have telescopes on the lawn, just like they do for Griffith. And I'm excited to see what they're doing over there. <laughs> I think that's the cool thing about, I love going into an observatory, especially like a dome, like Griffith, where it, it just makes you feel like you're stepping into something. It's very Victorian-esque, where it's like, wow, we are doing, like you could be looking at the moon and it's nothing scientifically special, but there's just a vibe when you step into places like that, where it's like, yeah, this is like seriously legitimate stuff at this point. I mean, going out on the lawn and looking through a telescope is, there's nothing like looking through a telescope in general. But when you step into an observatory where it's like, this is a very serious piece of equipment and the fact that you get to be in here and it just makes you f feel like you're a part of that experience at that point. Yeah. So I can't imagine doing, um, you said you went to Yerkes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the big refractors there. Oh, so. I love it. Because, you know, Yerkes used to be part of the University of Chicago, mm -hmm. and the outreach program that I did uh, is is through the University of Chicago. So uh, things got a little tricky when U of C was like, okay, we're done with this place now, which was fair because, you know, like how no one really does optical. Uh, there's some You know that... That money and stuff is a factor. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and luckily, they, you know, the Yerkes Foundation was able to, like, buy it and keep it going, which is just great. Um, and they've really been, like, taking care of it. But what you're describing of that, like, feeling of being a part of something scientific and important, you definitely feel that at Yerkes. They also, like, have the largest elevator in the world. <laughs> Yeah, the whole freaking floor goes the up and down. The whole floor moves up. It's the coolest thing ever. 
And I love how like the 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 docents there, because they're like, we're all gonna look at some cool stuff, but also these are high school students, and we want to do we want to be on a cool elevator thing, and it yeah. is a lot of fun. <laughs> they look like I could not believe they did this. They actually like let one of the students like hang on to the telescope and like swing on it. And I was just like, okay, well, great. <laughs> hey, you know whatever gets kids excited about it, that's. Because it's a memory thing. I, I think those are little... I have science teachers I think back on. It's like, wow, that was so over the top and stupid what we did in that class. But I remember it. And it's like, that, those were kind of those sparks where it's like, I did this. And it's like, you know, then you start to backtrack. It's like, that's what kind of got me hooked on some of this stuff. Whereas those were the memories that were like, this. Was, it doesn't have to be this stuffy lab coat thing all the time it could you know we could be fun about it and even if it's not doing anything in particular but it sticks with you and then that kind of and i know you see it where you probably talk to so many people in a week and every now and again you probably just get those handfuls that kind of you know that one kid who comes back it's like i have a question about this and then it's like aha i got you so it's like I love it. So we have uh, regular talks about the Tesla coil at, at Griffith Observatory. Um, Tesla coil doesn't actually have anything to do with astronomy, but it's cool. But I like to always say at the end, I'm like, and if you have any questions about anything, like ask me, ask any of the other guides here. And um, I love it when people come and like really like ask questions. And there's something, there's like that sweet spot of like, like sixth graders like they 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 know enough but also like the world has not beaten them down yet <laughs> that they're still like excited about the world yes your dreams like, will come true right <laughs> they ask such great questions about you know like science and like sometimes i'll just be like there for like 40 minutes and the parents are like we're sorry and i'm like no this person can keep asking questions this is what i'm here for <laughs> Pull up a freaking chair. Like, right. we're going to school. So, no, it's, it's I, that, that makes up a good point, though, and you probably see it where there's probably so many people out there that have questions, but they're afraid to ask the question. Even if it's something minute, it's like, don't be afraid to ask a question. Like, yeah. you're not stupid. Everything around you was once a question, and it's now reality. So And especially, like, the... <clears throat> So, so I taught I taught a couple classes at the college level, but I mostly taught at this place called Whitney Young High School, which is mm -hmm. a very, it's a magnet high school. Like it's it's very um, affluent. Like Michelle Obama went to this school, right? Okay. And and the Wachowskis, <laughs> and so it it was like these students, you know, they're going to become important, and they're afraid to ask questions because they don't want to look stupid in front of these other people. And so especially when I was teaching the AP classes, I feel like they especially were like, I don't want to ask a question. Then people think that I'm not smart. And it's like the ones that ask the questions usually are the smart ones. And I always tell them, I'm like, you know, you got to realize that like the question you're, you're about to ask, there's like five other people in the classroom that are like, I'm so glad they said that, you know? <laughs> and uh, I used to say, if, if I get three good questions uh, in a class, I would give them like one extra credit point. And there's nothing students love more than extra credit. <laughs> I will bribe you. I am not above bribery. So. <laughs> no, I, I think my favorite ones, because I like working with high school level, um, are the jocks. Because it's hysterical. Because they all show up to an event because they're supposed to go because they have to get their points. <laughs> and then they're just like, all right, we did it. We looked through all the scopes. Can we go? And then they go. And there's always one of them that comes back when the group is gone. And they're like, I saw the space station. I thought that was really cool. Can you tell me more about it? It's like, aha, there is. But it's sad, though, in a way, because it's like you're it's kind of what society does right now, where you're not encouraged to ask questions. And I think ultimately, probably just talking to you in this little hour, I think that's probably the the lesson of the day, actually, is to don't be afraid to ask questions and be curious and be hungry for that. And if someone else isn't going to ask the question, then be brave enough to step up and you ask it because that expands your horizons. And then you probably unknowingly expand someone else's. A hundred percent. I, 
Yeah, I, I, oh, I, lo I love all my students. I get a little too attached to them. Like, I still, like, have lunch with them sometimes because a lot of them, you know, going to, like, Stanford and, like, UCLA because, once again, all of my students were amazing. Um, and it's just so, it's just so important to keep that inquisitive mind. And some people, some people are shy and they don't want to ask a question in front of, like, you know, 40 other kids. And that's no, okay. I... Like, you know, you can always do, like you said, you know, you can always be that jock that like comes back later and it's just like, by the way, like, you know, how often does the uh, International Space Station go around, you know? Um, that That's always fine too. In fact, that's usually what I did, mostly because I just wanted to like really nerd out with my professors. <laughs> I'd always go to office hours, I'd wait till everyone asked their questions about the homework and then I'd be like, okay, but I want to talk about spin. Let's talk about spin now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I always, I always love that. And it was funny because I was uh, always the only black person in, in the classroom. There were, at the University of Chicago while I was there, there were uh, four black people in the entire physics department. Mm -hmm. It was two undergrads, one grad student, and one administrator. <laughs> and... So it was it was hard for my professors to forget me because uh, I always sat in the front row and I was the only person of color they knew, yeah, <laughs> or black person. But there were other people of color. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was yeah they they definitely never forgot me. <laughs> no, and it's it's good. We have uh, we had a guest on oh man a while ago. I know him. He's a friend of mine. Um, He's from India, Dr. Vishnu Reddy, University of Arizona. He started astronomy when he was in India, and now he's a professor at U of A, teaching kids how to track near-Earth asteroids and satellite detection and stuff like that. He's a I master. He guys at, at Adler. He might. So, hey, Vishnu is very... Vishnu, if you're watching this, I know you're very well connected, and I'm not going to question who you know, but... Um, but it's cool to see someone who just has that. You never know where that spark or that little seed is going to come from anywhere in the world. It could be, you know, girl from Chicago, guy from India, whatever the case may be. And then you just kind of go down this path. But it's uh, someone in the someone in the chat has a good one. A, a questioning attitude shows care and engagement. So, you know, you just have to care a little bit about it but you have to be willing to question things and you have to be hungry to go after it and i think that's kind of what you tend to one of the vibe i get from you is that's what you try to do with your students or anybody that walks through the door at griffith and i think that's where griffith is really cool because a lot of the people there are of that same mindset and it's like it is cool like it's okay to ask questions and not everything you think is going to be right but let's figure it out together so yeah yeah and i always loved that i there was one year where i i taught um for the first hour so all these kids are like they're sometimes they're arriving late due to like no problem of their own and there are none of them are awake yet and so i would uh teach them mostly through scaring them so <laughs> like <laughs> like i'll never forget we were we were learning about um uh resistance so I just took some like steel wool and a battery next to this guy that was barely awake and I just like put it on his desk and then just kept talking about it until it lit on fire and he was like, what's going on? <laughs> and I was just like, we're talking about resistance. Why do we think that just lit on fire, guys? Yes. That's the <laughs> cool thing about doing like the experiments. That's what I always loved about science is it makes us it makes science become this living breathing entity at that point where it's not just like we're learning about this concept turn to page eight like okay that's great where it's like oh my god why did that happen it's like you asked a question now we have to experiment and figure out why that happened and exactly. that's how the question starts is oh my god fire came from stick how does that happen and Oh, by friction, it heats everything up and blah, 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 blah. But poof, there it goes. It's like, oh, interesting. But you got to ask the question. So. And I always had to like, oh, 
I, I, I mean, I always had to, my mentor teacher, Mr. Gallo at, at Whitney Young, so amazing because once again, I was all like theoretical, like, you know, what does Einstein call it? Like, uh, like mind experiments. I loved it. Like, let's talk about a train and relativity. Um, so when I became a teacher, I knew that once again, people learn differently. So some people learn visually and some people learn auditory and some people learn kinetically. So like by doing, and so I was like, it was always my goal as much as possible to teach in those three ways for every topic, which meant that you had to do like labs and demos and like, what do I know? Like I just type things into a computer program <laughs> to figure things out. Right. And so I, I, I worked so hard to like come up with like short demos and I learned so much from Mr. Gallo on how to do a lot of that. He had so many cool things, you know, like you're talking about like jocks. Another thing that I used to do <laughs> is I used to take a copper tube and, uh, and I would take like a, like a penny and I would just like drop the penny through the copper tube. And I'd be like, all right, first I'd be like, all right, who's the athlete in the class? Like, who, who's the person with like the best skills? And so it'd be like, oh me, like I'm the, like I'm the MVP for the baseball. It's like, okay, all right. So I need you to catch this penny. And so like I drop it and of course they catch it. And then I take a magnet <laughs> and anyone, anyone who knows what's about to happen now, then I take a magnet and I drop it and, and they're always like ready to catch it, ready to catch it. And I'm just like, oh, it's taking a long time to go through there. What's going on with that? And they also never catch the, catch it when it finally drops through which i always found hilarious mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm just like how is it that the magnet going through the copper tube is not falling at the rate of g like what's going on here and then we get to like talk about it you know but i always like to keep you know i never even knew about that demo until mr gallo showed me like all these like wonderful things and i think it was just always so important to show it to everyone and and i would always try to like use use things that involved the community and things that were people were interested in because whitney young was very much big on like uh sports like some i guess i'm not really into sports but apparently like some of the students at whitney young have become like nba stars like like okay. they're like serious you know um so I was always like using that. There were some that were really big into, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, debate. So we have a, like an amazing debate team. So we did a mock trial using the McDonald's like coffee, mm. the whole like McDonald's coffee lawsuit um, using Newton's law of cooling. So <laughs> it was just like, what can we do to like connect with what the kids already care and appreciate and then connect it with physics, you know? And like the kids just like loved, they loved the lawsuit. <laughs> they just like enjoyed it like maybe too much. Um, and it was also great because like I said, you know, there's also the, the aspect of people who are, some are just more introverted or just more shy. So because there were so many different roles, the ones that wanted to be like, you know, I'm Atticus Finch, like they could be the ones that were the prosecutor or not prosecutors, but the defendant, uh, the, defend lawyer defense lawyers there we go and then like you know the ones that just want that didn't want to talk at all they could be like the the jury and then they would just write like a one-page report so it was like i always was trying to do things in um approaching science uh like coming to them to get to to approach science yeah so, you've got to make it obtainable which i think is the hard thing about science for a lot of people is it just seems like something that's done in a far off lab and with expensive stuff and it's just it's so beyond you know anyone like oh i need to go to years of school before i get to do it, whatever but it's like no a lot of this is so obtainable you just have to kind of look for it so it's cool that you take the time to like the magnet and the copper pipe kind of thing where it's like it's just little stuff that you could find at home depot or something like that and you've now made you've proven science to be a relatable thing. It's like, we didn't have some bajillion dollar chemistry lab or, you know, whatever the case may be. You've just made it obtainable with a freaking magnet and a copper tube. So it's like- so. Yeah, and it's funny you talking about obtainable because I remember it was only a couple of weeks ago at Griffith, this guy comes up to me and he's like, 
oh, I know you have to have a lot of money for this or whatever, but like, what would you have to do to be able to see the Milky Way? And I was just like, first it, it, in my head, I'm just like, why would you need money to see the Milky Way? But I like, I like quiet that down. And then I'm like, actually, you just need a nice dark sky. Like, you know, like from here. Do you like have drive, a car? Right. So like... Yeah. Like just like drive an hour towards the desert and like, you can see it. It's right there. You know. <laughs> the only tools you need are some gas, a car and a curious mind. And... Right. <laughs> about an hour of time in that direction so <laughs> then you're good you're welcome so. right? oh i was just uh, talking about someone the other day and they're like uh you know and everyone here of course is probably realizing it's like you have the moon it's like beautiful and like waxing and then there's like these two very bright dots and it's like it's nice to just like take a moment to like notice the sky because that's the reason why planetariums exist is because with the advent of electricity, we're all happy about electricity, um, but that caused light pollution. All of a sudden people, there was this disconnect with the sky. And so being able to just like, you're driving home or you're walking your dog and you go like, oh, what are those dots? Oh, that's Jupiter and Venus. Holy crap, you know? <laughs> and, and I think it's really beautiful to just like, you know, we also just talk more about mindfulness and everything these days. It's just like, go outside at night and just like notice what's out there, you know? Like my favorite constellation, Orion is out there right now. You know, the brightest star in the night sky series is out every night right now. Like just, you know, you don't have to have a telescope to just like appreciate the sky, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's just more, just take five minutes and look up. Right? Because we're, so we're so busy with these dumb things that we're just all like, you know, there's no incentive to look up. You're always looking down. You're always looking through someone else's life. It's like, put that away. Look up and just experience what's in front of you. Yeah. And I think that's what, another reason I like astronomy is it's like, just put it away. Like, it's fine to be on it, but just, just put it away for a minute and shut it down. And just look up because that sky is the same thing as your ancestors saw centuries ago. These... Before there was the iPhone and the iPad and all these things, we told stories with the sky. And those stories still remain after all these centuries. They still remain and we can still look up and be like, oh, there it is. And yeah. blah, 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 blah. So it's I. biggest thing is I think people just need to slow down. I know the world's very fast, but it's like sometimes you got to slow down. It's like ferris bueller it's like <laughs> sometimes you just have to slow down so also in chicago um oh, oh my god and that's i don't think we can that might just wrap it up at that point we have like three minutes left but i think that just brought it all the way around and <laughs> athena just might dropped it at that point so. <laughs> so. boom so. um I don't know if you guys have any questions. We only have a few minutes left. I didn't see any in the chat, but if you have any questions for Athena, now is the time to throw them in the chat so I can throw them over to her um, so I can let her get on with her day. Um, <laughs> but um, if you want to know more about Griffith Observatory, just Google it. I'm sure you'll run into Athena there at some point. Um, it's If you're traveling to LA, um, it's definitely a place to, to go and visit for certain um, and then I have not been to Adler. I would love to. I've just never been up there. So one of these days I got to get up there. So yes, Adler is amazing. And also like every time that you see like a beautiful picture of the skyline of Chicago, it's literally always taken from Adler. One of the great things about planetariums is that they're always in beautiful locations. <laughs> yeah. You need to, have you been out to Arizona? I haven't. I've driven You need to come it. to... You need to come out here so we can go to like Lowell Observatory and Kitt Peak and the Mirror Lab where they're making 8.4 meter mirrors for the giant Magellan telescopes. It's we've got stuff too. It's, it's, <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Kitt Peak for sure. Well, come out and we will make it happen. So, I'm in. well, um, Athena, thank you very much. It's been really fun talking to you this morning, and hopefully we can have you back on. Um, like sorry there was a, my question was a comparison between the that's a lot never mind um 
Anyway, sorry to cut people off. Um, thank you very much for spending your morning with us. We definitely appreciate it. And hopefully we can have you back on at some point. And uh, it was nice meeting you. So. Lovely meeting and chatting with you for the hour, Kevin. Thank you so much. Um, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this week's What's Up webcast episode. Thank you for hanging out with us. Big thanks to Athena for hanging out with us. Um, go visit her at Griffith Observatory. Uh, bug her at ask freaking questions. So, um, but uh, have a good weekend to everybody who is watching and we'll see you guys next uh, Friday. So thank you very much. Clear skies and we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye. <laughs>